It's, it's solving those, those problems and challenges out there. Um, the team, um, working with people, helping them grow, helping them fail, helping them like get to that spot. And like, I, I think we're, we're a, a, a training ground for next level of entrepreneurs. Hi, and welcome to the Sliced Podcast, where we share startup stories from founders, investors, and CEOs from across the globe. A little bit about our platform, Startup Blog Post, is that we're a community where aspiring entrepreneurs and venture capital ecosystem stakeholders can share meaningful insights, engage with colleagues and peers, and stay informed. Hi, and welcome back to the Sliced Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Ahrens, and today's guest is Jimmy Eberhard, founder and CEO of Fluid Truck, a groundbreaking mobile app that allows everyday people to share commercial vehicles like pickup trucks, cargo vans, and SUVs. Prior to Fluid, Jimmy founded Mobile Accord, a mobile donation solution that enables users to donate to notable nonprofits like the Red Cross via text message. He is a serial entrepreneur with 13 startups under his belt. Hi, Jimmy. Thanks so much for being here today. Hey, Emily. Great to be here. It's so great to have you. We've spoken before because we did an article on you for a startup blog post. So this will be really great just to dive a bit deeper on things that we've already talked about. So I'm really excited for people to hear what I already know about you. <laughs> <laughs> so this will be great. So we can just jump right in. So tell our listeners, you're from Colorado. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Born and raised native. Yep. I grew up in Broomfield, Colorado. Uh, lived here most of my life. Went to CSU. Um, lived in the UK for a little while and lived in uh, DC for uh, you know four or five years. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. We're going to circle back to the London thing because I lo- happen to love London. So we'll come back to that. But what did you go to school for? I don't know that um, we discussed that last time. No, uh, I mean, really went to school. wasn't really sure what I was going to do. But I mean, it was going for chemical engineering is what. Okay. Um, but I dropped out after my uh, freshman year. That's right. That's right. And then... We mentioned in the intro, 13 startups. So walk me through your background kind of as an entrepreneur. Did you always have an entrepreneurial spirit? Were you doing like odd jobs in high school? Or do you feel like that's something that's always been innately in you? I mean, since I was a little kid, I was always, you know, it's something that, you know, I was always looking at whatever it would be, whether in kindergarten going door to door selling fruits to the neighbors or in elementary school, I had a video game rental business. Was it your um, own video games that you were renting yeah, out? Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. love that. I love that. So two dollars a day, renting them out, and uh, you know, making making money to buy more video games. I'd never rented anything out that I owned, but I was a big, an avid reader when I was a kid, and so I would take all of my books that were in my cabinet and I would pretend it was a library and write like property up. So you, you check out your own books? I would check, exactly, <laughs> yeah. I'm not an entrepreneur, um, which is why that never took off, but I did check out my own books. Um, so yeah, so you were basically had always had an entrepreneurial spirit then. Yeah, no, I, I've, I mean, since I was a young, I've always enjoyed building stuff. So just what I do. Awesome. So before we get to Fluid, talk us through a couple of the 12 before Fluid. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, the first real business uh, was in college uh, where I was buying software and, and video games um, from that would be returned back to Walmart, repackage them up, sell them on campus, or sell the software back to you know local stores. Um, you know, from there, uh, um, tried my hat at a lot of different companies. 
um, you know, one of my early ones was a company called Applied Wireless. Okay. So it was a company that effectively sold uh, cell phone accessories in, you know, 2000, 2001 uh, for cell phones. And uh, it was really a first kind of learning experience of how hard it is to stock inventory, sell it, uh, ship it, and do the fulfillment. And it's one of the kind of learning lessons that I've found, like, I need to find something that's much more scalable. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a ton of work. I need a lot of money to carry inventory. And it's where I got my first kind of exposure to downloadable cell phone ringtones. Um, and so, uh, like, wow, you know, I can sell the same product, you know, one time or a million times. Um, it is the same cost to me. Um, and uh, it's, you know, highly scalable. So, um, so okay, you know, forget the online uh, e-commerce component and uh, started a company called Nine Squared, which was a, the first you know, cell phone ringtone company in the U.S. back before it was just like the old Nokia 5190s yeah. and the 6190 phones where you'd I have know. one to five spaces to download a ringtone in. And, um, you know, went after the music labels and tried to get them to, to sign uh, agreements. And they're, at the time, like, ringtone, what, what is that? Like, it doesn't make any sense. They've, no one return phone calls. Yeah. So, um, you know, we got the uh, first ringtones up and going. I uh, got the first music label deals put together and scaled that, you know, from, you know, just operating here in Denver to work in 23 countries um, before I sold it in, God, what, 2005 um, to a publicly traded company in the UK and moved to London to run their global ops. That is so cool. I actually miss ringtones. I remember when there used to be like a song. You could pick the song you wanted. It was like 99 cents. Now it's just everybody says the same. You know, when you're in a store and you hear it, you're like, is that mine? Because there's no di difference. Everybody has the exact same ringtone. So I miss the good days. Yeah. No, it, it was it was fun on that. But it's like the first kind of like downloadable, personalized uh, way to personalize your phone. That's true. And so it kind of led to a lot of the, the commerce and just content for your phone that we kind of uh, just, you know, as a part of our everyday life. Yeah. So then you moved to London. Had you been overseas before? Um, I, I had. Um, I mean, my, my first kind of experience internationally was in China. Oh, okay. Uh, which uh, was a, a really interesting one. Um, so uh, first kind of international joint venture was uh, going to China with my COO in, you know, like 2003. Um, and we cut a joint venture in, in China. Which uh, you know didn't turn out very successful whatsoever. <laughs> but you got to go to China. So. Uh, and, and see seeing China back, you know, in that period of time, just kind of seeing it before. I mean, you know, China's already on a massive move, but um, you know, the market was you know huge, growing insanely, mm -hmm. um, and we dipped our heads in trying to get into China, but it turned out not to go very well. So yeah. great learning experience. And then, how long were you in London? Um, I lived in London for about a year. Okay, and then you served on a board, is that right? Yeah, so okay. I, after selling my company to a company called Monster Mob, which now is Zed, um, uh, yeah, I served as on the board of that with, uh, you know, I don't know, for a year or so. It was an interesting experience. Our, our, our chairman was uh, Lord Kenneth Baker, which was Margaret Thatcher's home secretary, and so I remember you saying yeah, that. Yeah, it was a, it was crazy. a it was a fun it was a fun time. Did you have to call him Lord when you addressed him? Uh, no, we called Kenneth. Okay, <laughs> just wondering. <laughs> I ran the London Marathon a couple years ago there, and I just I loved it. I thought it was so pretty, and 
old, you know? I feel like the U.S. doesn't have a lot of places like that are that old, Yeah, obviously, for obvious reasons. Yeah. But anyways, left it there. Okay, so then walk us through what happens post-London. You sell the company, you're on the board, you come back to the U.S., then what happened? Um, so on that, um, you know, I finished my one-year lockup, um, and I was kind of looking for my next thing to do. And uh, I figured I'd been selling ringtones to kids for you know, three times the price you pay on iTunes for one-sixth the content. Like, I, I got to do something that's good. Um, and so I started Mobile Accord, which the whole mission of Mobile Accord was to create a mechanism for charities to raise money um, by sending a text message. So started that in 2006, and, uh, you know, it took us, you know, well, it started in 2005, and it took us three years, and we launched in 2008, like the first mm-hmm. text-giving donation mm-hmm. at the Super Bowl with the United Way. Nice. And so it was a short little, like, 15-second spot on the Super Bowl. So if you blinked, you missed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was that first text donation campaign um, that we got the carriers to waive their fees, and we probably a, you know, a seamless platform to, you know, be able to text and give five, ten bucks to charity. And it, I'm sure it was wildly successful no no uh, well, it, it really? took a, it took a while i mean it was really 2010 after haiti okay um and that's where uh you know that haiti campaigns really what put it on the map okay um where i mean it went viral um it celebrities you know it mm-hmm. was people were picking up and saying text haiti to 9099 to help support i actually kind of remember that yeah it now was, that you mention it it was a uh, and it put it on the on the map right. and, and really opened up you know hey instead of having you know ten people give a hundred thousand dollars have a hundred thousand people give ten dollars you can contribute yeah you know I guess that makes more sense I feel like a Super Bowl maybe people aren't feeling the most charitable <laughs> no it, and it was I mean really it was that that gating first campaign because mm-hmm. we had uh, two of the the of the big four wireless carriers at that time had signed on and two of them were still holding back and mm-hmm. didn't want to do it. Um, but that was the really the the Trojan horse that we were able to get all wireless carriers to set up and mm-hmm. set the framework for giving. Awesome. So you've had experience with mobile, obviously, all up until this point. And so then walk us through the first iteration of Fluid. Um, so Fluid launched in, in 2016, um, and uh, you know we we weren't really exactly sure what. You know, it's a platform we kind of looked at as like Airbnb, but for stuff. And so, you know, the whole concept of, you know, you have the uh, same stuff your neighbor has in their garage. You know, you have a power drill that you maybe use 15 minutes a year. Um, and why make everybody have the same stuff that's never utilized? And if we could create a platform so you could easily share back and forth, um, make it to a place where, you know, you don't have to own the same stuff that everybody else does mm-hmm. and that you always have access to the goods that you need when you need them. And that was the uh, concept, and really in the very early days, we saw, you know, trucks were the very first thing that, you know, we would see it out with people we knew, and like, okay, let's get a bunch of stuff on there to see what goes. And, you know, the first, like, early uh, you know, uh, pickup truck on that first day rented to someone that we didn't know. It was like, okay, we, we got something here. Like, you know, you get that first transaction, like, you know, everybody's like, jump up and down. Like, yeah. you know, someone rented something from someone like, okay, we got something on the very first day. So, you know, it was uh, pickup trucks in that very first moment. And it continued uh, on commercial vehicles um, as we went. Was there a particular catalyst for you guys getting the idea for Fluid? Like, did somebody need to borrow something on your team? And they're like, oh my gosh, I wish there was an app to do this. Or like, 
was there something like that yeah. that happened? I mean, so the original like idea was uh, I was at my brother-in-law's uh, wedding in Brooklyn. Um, I needed a bow tie for the rehearsal dinner. No way. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, of all places in the world, Brooklyn's got to have some funky hipster community sharing program. Um, and, you know, I started looking and asking people, like, is there a, you know. Place a, I can rent a, a boat oh, tie. Oh, bow tie, yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the people at the hotel were like, you're crazy. Uh, this, you know, we've never heard of anything like this. And I'm like, huh, there's got, there's got to be someone out there that's you know, creating the Airbnb of stuff. There's got to be something out there. And I started doing research out, uh, looking to see if anybody's done it. And I couldn't find anything. All right. I'll, I'll do, do it, it myself. I'll do it. <laughs> that is really cool. Tell me, was there any weird or just kind of peculiar stuff on there that people were looking to to rent? Did you guys have to vet the stuff, or could you just throw whatever you wanted on there? Um, I mean, in the early days, it, you know, you could throw anything. Uh, and <laughs> anything that stands out. I mean, uh, you know, we had uh, you know someone put up a dildo. Uh, oh, <laughs> which you know, um, d- doesn't seem like the natural thing that you'd want to be. Doesn't seem super hygienic is um, the word that comes to mind. And I mean, we saw all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of it. You know, people put gold coins, and like, why would anybody? Uh, to, uh, yeah, I can't even really address that. Really, <laughs> <It's> so dumb. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, at that time, you know, we were just let's try anything yeah. and everything, and see what sticks. And we saw like great business models, like a ladder. You could go out and rent a ladder on the platform and make 500% on that ladder. Ladder costs 100 bucks, mm-hmm. and effectively you make 40 bucks a month. And so it was never enough to money to make it be something where someone's going to dedicate um, a lot of their time to going out there and doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, we had business models like paddle boards. And you could go buy a paddle board, and you'd make what you spent on that paddle board, um, you know, a month. Mm-hmm. But Pal boards only rent for you know three or four months a year. I was just saying yeah, it's kind of seasonal versus a truck, which is all the time. Yeah. So you guys see that the trucks catch on, and then you pivoted. Is that right? Yeah, I mean we we actually fought it for a while. Okay. And uh, you know I think it, you know internally we we're like you know, we didn't want to be a one trick pony. Yeah, why would you fight it? You just didn't want to be. It's a, I mean we we were trying to build out multiple categories. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we saw success in you know different places, whether it be like paddle boards or ladders, or you know uh, tents and that kind of stuff. Um, but it was always like such a deep seasonality, and so you know we we eventually got to the point where like you know we'd spend you know all of our marketing dollars trying to build the three other categories, and no matter what we did, you know trucks, uh, commercial vehicles, just were always you know eighty or ninety yeah. percent of the platform. So eventually we were like, hey, you know the market's telling us like this is we, an opportunity. We actually can't afford to fight this yeah. anymore. And then we started seeing these weird use cases where or at least we thought they were weird back then because it was a really business to consumer play. Um, and we kept on seeing you know, it would be a small business that would come on and rent vehicles from us. We're like, why would a small business come rent a 15-year-old beat-up pickup truck um, when they can go rent for basically the same price from like an enterprise or a U-Haul? And it really just came down to is like the the way that commercial vehicles are rented. The friction is so heavy. I mean, if you can imagine running your business and having to go spend, you know, half hour, an hour waiting in line, mm-hmm. having to talk to someone to go rent and use a vehicle for a day. Um, 
it makes it unsustainable. And so it's forced a lot of businesses to go out there and buy fleets of vehicles just because it, it's such a heavy process to rent commercial vehicles. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we really, you know, honed in on that and said, okay, let's, this is a, a, a big industry. Um, it's, you know, it hasn't been really innovated. The last big innovation in commercial rental vehicles is we'll pick you up. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know it was founded by Enterprise because <laughs> Enterprise was getting blocked the airports from Hertz, mm-hmm. um, and so so all right let's let's go after that. And so at the end of uh, 2018, we rebranded to Flute Truck. We took all the, the other you know uh, junk. Uh, I think one of our investors we always call it a a uh, a crap market, or <laughs> um, and we we pulled everything else off, focused in on trucks, and then started scaling from there. And that's when you guys saw, I forgot the number you told me. What was the amount of growth? Like 140x or something? Yeah, we grew uh, revenue from you know, January of 19 to this uh, to today, you know, about 45x. That's crazy. So like 30 months and, you know, moving pretty quick. We're going from Denver to, you know, we now operate in almost 40 markets in the U.S. And you have an Amazon partnership, is that right? Well, we, Amazon's one of our, our customers. Customers. But we, we really work with... Uh, all the small businesses mm-hmm. that are filling in-game packages when you order something online and you see that uh, Amazon truck or the flu truck pull up to your door, um, you know, it's, it's a small business. It's, you know, Sally's last mile delivery or, you know, Joe's logistics mm-hmm. um, that are fulfilling that. And so it's all done by these small uh, mom and pops that are out there delivering the goods and getting it to your house. How does it make you feel today when you're driving and you see a fluid truck? Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's so cool. Is it like seeing your face on a billboard? I feel like it's got to be similar. Um, no, I mean, it's just like, you know, fluid truck in the wild. Like, you know, yeah. just uh, seeing it. Um, it's like we have uh, people that, you know, uh, have worked at U-Haul, mm-hmm. so their kids were always like, okay, let's play the game, spot the U-Haul, and now they play spot the fluid truck on the road. That's so cool. Yeah. And so you didn't do this alone, though. You have some co-founders. Oh, yeah. 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 So tell me about that. How did you guys meet? Did you know them from a while back? Are they friends of yours? Did they come on new? Um, so Leo Amagoni, who's our COO, um, you know, was our first you know software engineer and did the app design. Mm-hmm. And uh, we met... Uh, it was at like a, a galvanize uh, event, um, you know, back in you know early 2016. Okay. Um, and then uh, you know Jen Snyder, who's uh, the co-founder, which is also my sister, it's our general oh, that's counsel. That's cool. So we've built a lot of businesses together. Okay, so a family of entrepreneurs. Then were your parents entrepreneurs? Um, my uh, parents, no. My my grandpa was. Okay. Um, and he was a you know hardworking, you know, used to build mm-hmm. homes and had a construction company. So, you know, when I was growing up, um, you know, he'd put me to work in the summertime and, you know, show up at a, uh, a construction site at 5 a.m. And, you know, he would work me all day long until yeah. it got dark. That's interesting. The more founders we talk to, it's so fun to hear about the similarities. I feel like generally somewhere along the line, if it wasn't a parent, it was a grandparent or a sibling, there seems like there's an entrepreneurial thread. You know, it t- I do believe it takes a certain type of person and a certain type of personality to be able to to do this kind of work. And oh, yeah. I'm sure you can speak to, I mean, what's it like to go through a little bit of an obstacle or or to face some rejection? You know, how have you dealt with that in the past? Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, you have to be crazy uh, on it. And I, you know, I've always looked at it as like, it's kind of naturally something that I, I mean, I just love building stuff. And, you know, I, I get passionate around you know, people starting businesses. I'm like, okay, 
you know, what's the next mm-hmm. step? Let's get this off the ground. Let's get this going. You know, time and urgency and being resilient and you know, looking to find out the small little thing that differentiates you know failure and success. And mm-hmm. it usually is just a very minute detail that really is the the component into it. But you know, for the longest time, I'm like, okay, this is you know, this is you know, something everybody should do. And you know, see, being a seed investor and investing into other people's companies. It's really tough, um, and to find someone that has the tenacity and resilience to, you know, get knocked down and get right back up and keep on going and keep on going until you get right. Mm-hmm. And you were recently featured in Business Insider, is that right? Um, yeah. And you talked about Denver, so I want to circle back to this, obviously, because we live here and it's the best. Tell me, you talked about tech in Denver and kind of what you see forecasted there. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, you know, Denver's been a home. I mean, I've been building tech companies since mm-hmm. I was, you know, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely changed a lot in that time. I mean, I'm 42, almost 43. And it's been, uh, you know, finding engineers and finding uh, people in Denver. I mean, it was a lot more difficult uh, you know, 20 years ago, um, mm-hmm. and we've definitely been getting a, a lot more engineering and a lot more people that have been moving, you know, away from the coast or you know, graduating school and moving out to Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it, it definitely has opened up. But I, I mean, getting talent pools of people that want to go out there and build and create is something near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, building stuff in Denver and helping and giving back to the community that's been so great to me, um, you know, is a big part of, you know, what, you know, at least my ethos and my kind of overall mission is all about. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this, and it's in your article as well, but about COVID. You know, it's hard not to touch on that, but yeah. I, we did, and we talked about kind of the on-demand industry. Yeah. Could you kind of talk about how Fluid fit into that during those times? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I kind of look at COVID's kind of one of those crazy periods of time where, I mean, you know, naturally, there's been a shift in e-commerce mm-hmm. where people are buying online, having stuff shipped their, to their house, um, and especially you know, like looking at little small things like toilet paper. Right? You know, there's people that was been, a huge issue there for a while. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it's beyond the shelves, but also like you know, all of a sudden, toilet paper became dangerous to go to the store and buy. Yeah, and so moving to a place where you know, there's not a lot of value of going to Keen Supers or you know, Safeway and, you know, buying the same stuff, you know, mm-hmm. buying toilet paper or toothpaste when you're going to buy the same thing every single time, you know, being able to buy it online, just have it show up to your door, mm-hmm. um, you know, saves a ton of time and, you know, you don't have to worry about when you subscribe and save mm-hmm. and away you go. So it, it, it's been kind of looking at this naturally changing place where, you know, the the driving to a store to go buy your goods or order them online, have it just show up to your house. Um, you know, that was already moving in that direction, but COVID just really accelerated it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we watched, you know, massive businesses like Walmart, you know, double their e-commerce sales through COVID. And, you know, we have partners that have seen, you know, three, four X growth in their e-commerce shopping, um, which was already moving in that direction. But COVID just really was an accelerator for, you know, how the economy changes. And, you know, you see these kind of moments and shift, whether it be, you know, something that was already naturally happening and starts moving in that direction. But, I mean, watching, you know, the Internet or cell phones take over, or, you know, even going back to, like, electricity or the steam engine. I mean, there's monumental shifts, and we're mm-hmm. kind of witnessing one of those I moments agree. right now of, 
you know, people optimizing their time by shopping online and have it delivered to their home. Yeah, and it's crazy when you think about like like an Amazon, you know, started out as a bookstore. Yeah. Like, you know, now they run our lives in our world. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, you know, you just yeah. don't know. We didn't realize at the time that we were, I feel like, a part of the shift. And I think now we're a little bit more cognizant to like, oh, yeah, this is happening. And, oh, yeah, maybe malls won't be a thing. And, you know, yeah, we're a part of the change, I guess. It's, we, I tried to go to the mall the other night. and you know, it's, Was it it's, miserable? <laughs> it, well, we, we show up at 8 and it was closed. So oh. like, <laughs> like, all right. And then end up buying it, everything we're going to buy them all online instead. So, so. there, see, there you go. Um, what is one piece of advice you wish you would have known when you were first getting started in your entrepreneurial journey? There's a lot, but I think it's just, you know, tenacity and just like being resilient, really looking at the customer um, and really, you know, I think looking at the sector, looking at what's out there, and you've got to go out there and solve problems. Um, and the bigger the problem is, usually the bigger the opportunity there is for it. Um, but being just resilient around it and really focusing on the small details of what's going to make this successful, what's going to make you, you know, beat your competitor, what's going to make this, you know, drive value into people's lives. Um, it's, but it's those small details that make all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. As a chemical engineer, was it challenging for you to kind of transition to a business side of things and kind of like like fundraising and pitching and running a business, employees? Was that difficult or did you feel comfortable in that space? Um, I think I've, I've felt comfortable on the business side. I mean, economics are hugely important to any so business. So a math guy. You're a math guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm not. So I mean, I, I run off numbers and metrics, <laughs> okay. and like if I don't have those, I'm flying blind. I, I go crazy. So okay, so then it, it comes naturally to you then. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and then you guys are hiring a lot of, of people right now, is yeah. that right? We need a lot of good people to help us, uh, you know, along our mission. So where do you see the company in the next five to ten years? Um, I mean, really, it's a uh, you know we're we're continuing to expand out and uh, build out and really we we go from this place where it's really like a truck rental to a place where you know, we want to provide a fleet of trucks to any business where if you're starting up a company you don't need to go out there and you know get debt and buy a fleet of trucks you can you know hop on our platform mm-hmm. and start up your business you know tomorrow mm-hmm. um, and so really just enabling businesses to run thrive off our platform be more cost effective simplify their lives but really moving from this place where we look at truck rental to a truck as a service mm-hmm. um, is, you know, deeply uh, important. And like, how do we continue down the pathway of automation and, and autonomous delivery and autonomous vehicles? Um, you know, and, and continue to expand it and look at how do we make things easier for the businesses that we work with. And ultimately, what would you say motivates you every day to keep going? It's it's solving those those problems and challenges out there. Um, the team. Um, working with people, helping them grow, helping them fail, helping them like get to that spot, and like I, I think we're we're a, a, a training ground for next level of entrepreneurs, and you know, trying to push into people to take challenges, to take risks, to try things out, and uh, you know push them on the growth path and help them do stuff that you know hasn't been done before that they weren't sure they could do it themselves, and uh, pushing them on that pathway to be more successful, to take risks, and you know. Hopefully, you know, I think, you know, the end goal, you know, like at least on, on my side is, you know, I'm hoping that we spawn a, a number of different entrepreneurs that end up creating a company and building something bigger than what we've built here at Fluid. 
Love it. Love it. I love that you want to invest in people. I think we talked about that as well in your articles that you have like a passion for people, which I think is great and ultimately ends up really contributing to the success of a company when you have great people around you, you know? It's one person never is the reason for success. Right. It's a collective and you've got to push people and, you know, uh, challenge them and see how you get the best out of them and how they get the best out of themselves. Well, before I let you go, is there anything else you would want our listeners to know about you or about your journey with fluid or otherwise? Not that I can think of. We covered it all. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in today. This was so great. Yeah, no, thanks a lot for having me. It's been awesome. Really appreciate your time. To learn more about today's guest, please visit startupblogpost.com. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, check back weekly for new episodes, and follow us at Slice Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.